This is Ask Governor Murphy, a WBGO News production in collaboration with WHYY and WNYC. I'm Nancy Solomon. Schools in New Jersey open this week, some in person and others remote only. Teachers and parents, what's been your experience? Call us with a question for the governor at 844-677-9283. Do you have concerns about remote learning? How does it feel to send your kids off to school? The number again is 844-677-9283. We'll also be taking your questions via social media using the hashtag AskGovMurphy. And we have Governor Murphy on the line. Good evening, Governor. Hello, Nancy. Good to be with you. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm pretty good, despite living through a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, And so uh, what about your kids? Have they gone back to school this week? They have. Uh, we've only got one guy who's still in the K through 12 reality. He's a senior, just started uh, yesterday. Uh, we had actually toured his school last week, um, and we're really impressed. I actually was at an elementary school in Robbinsville this morning that I was super impressed by. Yeah, so, so far, at least with the, the Murphy household, so far so good. I, I asked our team, and this is something obviously we're, we're trying to stay all over, as you can imagine, um, you know, there have been some some incidents we're, that we've heard about that we're tracking down, but as far as we know, as I sit here with you at 7 o'clock uh, on the night of the 10th, we don't know of any school transmission issues um, that we're aware of, meaning, meaning that if a, a school district or a particular school has got a challenge right now, Based on what we know, and again, uh, we're still we're still obviously monitoring this, and we'll continue to uh, any inf- any infection is is from a non-school um, reality, and and I'll bet you that's not going to stay that way forever. But that that will be my gut tells me more prevalent than the alternative uh, in the days ahead. Well, we have lots more questions about school and schools reopening, but before we dive into all of that, uh, you made some news just in the last hour. You signed a bill making Juneteenth a state yeah. holiday. That's a pretty big deal. Huge deal uh, with Maplewood's uh, own and uh, New Jersey icon, SZA, who's an extraordinary artist. Uh, I know her mother well. You know, well, you, I was going to say she's somebody who's in your in your neck of the woods, yes. as they say. Yes. Um, she talked. Uh, we just did an Instagram event and signed the bill on it. Her mom is still there. Her grandmother's in Newark. She's got a niece, I think, in East Orange. Uh, she's terrific, by the way, an incredibly important voice in the whole arena of racial justice. But Juneteenth is now a state holiday in New Jersey, so it'll be the third Friday in june every year and state employees will get that day off and it's a sad commemoration as you and i've talked about uh, it was the day that the last slaves in america heard that they had been emancipated uh the problem was it was two and a half years in galveston texas two and a half years after lincoln signed the emancipation proclamation um, so we're still digging out. My guess is we will we'll be for a long time as a country. But this is a really uh, sweet bill to get. I thank thank the legislators who pushed it, and I'm thrilled and honored to have signed it. 
So let's jump into schools. Um, you mentioned there have there have been some cases of COVID, but that they weren't school transmissions per se. To the best se. of our knowledge, correct. So we, I know about, uh, so one student in Chatham, one in Little Silver, one at a maybe a charter school in Somerset County, yeah. uh, and there's one in Hackettstown, and I believe one in East Brunswick at a Vogue school there. Yep. Um, so what you're saying is, is that these are kids who arrived the first week of school and and were tested and uh, are infected with coronavirus, but it's not a school transmission per se. Yes, may I say with flashing lights to the best of my knowledge, to the best of our knowledge. And it would probably also, in fairness, be too early to know if there are any school transmissions. Some schools did open last week, so it's possible. Uh, but you've got schools that are, are, are just opening for the most part this week. Uh, and so, I mean... Was this, I mean, it's only been a couple of days. So is this a little bit faster? I know you've warned yep. the state that you expected to see some infections at schools, but yep. uh, this is pretty fast right out of the gates. Are you concerned? Yeah, it is. I mean, listen, this is this virus is among us. You know, we, we've made as much progress as any American state, Nancy, and, and we should all, all of us, all nine million of us should should uh, should celebrate that. We had 507 positive tests today. So uh, the fact is this virus is, is, is with us, uh, and it will be, uh, at least until we get therapeutics, if not a vaccine that's safe and efficacious and scalable and all that. Um, and so in the meantime, as it relates to school, we want to see in-person instruction. Um, every the, the overwhelming evidence that, that that's a far more enriching educational experience, but our principles are safety, first and foremost. Secondly, high-quality education. Thirdly, equity, accepting that not every family, not every community, not every district is the same. And then wrapped around all that flexibility. So am I surprised? I'm not surprised. Uh, we, 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 we said to folks, if you're expecting a, a regular normal school year, um, you've, you haven't been paying attention uh, and there were clearly going to be folks, you know, th- there are going to be cases. We have one other point. I'm not sure we've made it uh, with you on ask, ask the Governor, so we, I should say this. It's not just what goes on in the school, but we've broken down our regions as a health matter into even uh, one, one more rung down of, of two in the north, two central, two south. I say that because what's going on around you in that school, in that community, in those surrounding communities also dictates steps that uh, you'll, you'll take uh, as a local health matter, as a school matter. So I think we've got to watch this. The punchline is this is, <laughs> this is we're watching this, obviously, minute to minute. Uh, I'm thrilled we're back to school. Uh, even the remote districts have, have, in every case, committed to a date in a program to get back to at least some hybrid form. Uh, and we're working with the ones I said, the one I saw this morning, Sharon Elementary in Robbinsville, it was literally everything was thought out over the course of the summer. It was so darn impressive. Uh, and, and, and so there are a lot of schools like that in the state right now, and we'll do the best we can to put up the mitigants that we know help us with this virus, you know, social distancing, masking, hyper hygiene, et cetera, and we'll, we'll be all over it.
Well, I'd like to hear more about what you saw at the school, but first, uh, we've got folks waiting to ask you questions, and we've got a school-related question. Yep. Uh, parents, teachers out there, give us a call at 844-677-9283. What are your concerns and questions about the reopening of schools this week? And let's go to Dina from Cherry Hill. You're on the line with the governor. Hi, thanks so much. Governor, question for you. Hey, Dina. My partner is a... Hi. My partner is a teacher in the Cherry Hill School District, and they are teaching from the classroom without any students, so they're actually doing virtual work. Mm-hmm. But because they're in the school, they're required to wear masks. Masks on the screen, as we know, are really giving students a lot less access to so many things about the teacher's facial expressions, their yep. smile, etc. But they're not permitted to work from home. Can you speak to this? Interesting. So... Um and I don't know that it was every every educator in the in the school I visited today, but I did see some classrooms, same setup, Dina. So the um, the virtual instruction was being done from the school. Uh, there's a lot of, and I, I'm not an educator, so I'm not trying to play one, but a lot of evidence that that's also a good thing, if, assuming you could do it safely. Um, the the woman I interacted with actually was not wearing a mask for the very reasons, Dina, you mentioned. Um, so I'm not sure what the dynamic might be in Cherry Hill. There may well be a very good reason for that. Um, I do accept the point that the more you can see, particularly in the instructor's face, right, so you can see the facial expressions and whatnot, it's a it's a better, richer experience. I will have, with your blessing and our whole cabinet and team are listening in, I'll have Kevin Deemer, our acting commissioner, or one of his senior folks follow up with you or your partner uh, and get a and get a better sense of the specifics uh, in Cherry Hill, um, and if you'll permit me that. Uh, but again, the notion of of kids being able to see the teacher and be able to see the words being pronounced and the facial expressions is assuming it can be done safely, and that's the big one. Uh, seems to me to be uh, a, a better, richer educational experience. Thanks for your call, Dina. This is Ask Governor Murphy. I'm Nancy Solomon, and we're taking your calls at 844-677-9283. And we're also taking your questions via social media using the hashtag AskGovMurphy. And we're going to go to one of those right now. We have Joe Hernandez, State House reporter, with us. Uh, what do you have, Joe? Hey, Nancy. So this question is from Stacy in Morris County. She says, what can teachers do or who can they contact besides their union when their school administration is not following COVID protocols or enforcing mask wearing in school buildings? Well, that's a problem, Joe. I mean, that's, uh, and Stacy, if she's listening, um, I, I'm not aware of a lot of that going on, but that's troubling. So I think the the the, the uh, what could she do? She could uh, put her question on social media. You ask me, and I'm going to have the team follow up within 24 hours if we know how to get Stacy because that's that's not on. I mean, uh, we've got to all be in this together. And as I say, the overwhelming amount of schools uh, are are and districts are doing the right thing and really working at this to to get that to get it uh, off to as good a start as possible. Uh, but social distancing is is absolutely still one of the one of the core uh, mitigants that we have. Covering face masks are another one of the core. I mean, we don't have a cure for this. We don't have a vaccine or therapeutics yet. So, what are we left with? Basic stuff, whether it's in a school or wherever you are. But certainly, if you're indoors, social distancing, uh, face masks, uh, washing hands with soap and water. 
hyper hygiene on the surfaces and other great examples of that I saw today in Sharon Elementary. Uh, and lastly, if you don't feel well, don't show up. Stay home. Uh, and by the way, get tested. We've built among the best, biggest testing c- capacities in the country. Let's use it. But Stacy, we're going to follow up with you because that, that is concerning. Well, Governor, would the appropriate thing to do to be to call the Department of Health and put Yeah, I would call Department of Health or call our Department of Ed. Okay. Um, one or the other. So local health authority um, or call uh, the Department uh, of Education uh, in Trenton. Now, what are the plans as far as testing of teachers and students go? Is that something, I mean, is the state going to be able to provide free testing so that you can stay on top of, of an, you know, and yep. get advance warning of an outbreak? Well, we, we, we're going to need help from the feds on that front, and there is a fair amount of movement uh, by the feds, uh, and we'll see the extent to which it comes out in scale and in um, in timing. But that's the perfect world. But we're not there in September of 2020. I mean, I'd be, I'd be lying if I said otherwise. Again, we've built per capita. We're the top or top three testing states uh, in the country. By the way, I mentioned 500 positives today. Our spot positivity crept up a little bit today, which I don't like. Uh, our rate of transmission went down a hair, which is a good thing. But when you do the math, uh, 500 positives, you're testing 20 to 30,000 people a day, uh, which is not happening in a lot of places. I believe ultimately, so the feds, the short answer is we need help from the feds. There is a fair amount of movement on that. They have prioritized, as they probably should, as as they absolutely should, long-term care facilities. Um, uh, And I I suspect frontline health care workers would be the next to bat in terms of the priorities of communities, vulnerable communities would be on that list. But I believe it is only a matter of time, at least in, at least as this virus is among us, absent a, a vaccine, I believe this ultimately, and I've thought this for some time based on, again, I'm not a medical expert, but based on a lot of conversations I and we have had, that this ultimately gets to something that resembles, again, we're not there yet, but a home, a home pregnancy test. Uh, that it's that sort of reality. Temperature checks, which a lot of places are doing, including schools, both schools that I've toured did that, is great. Great step in the right direction. Only problem is, and this we just have to accept this, COVID-19's symptoms are not always re- reflecting in a, in a fever. Uh, and so that's, the, that's a good step, but it, we, 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 can't, we can't lull ourselves into complacency that that's catching everybody who might be uh, infected. The number of infections, uh, new infections that you reported today, um, it's my understanding that's the the highest number since October 12th. So any thoughts on what the cause of that is? Probably not October 12th, but August 12th. I'm sorry. Yes, August 12th. Um, one day does not make uh, a trend, so I don't have any specific insights. You know, you've seen the press around Rowan University off-campus housing. We've spent our educational time so far as we should on K through 12, um, but you know we've also got the reality of what's going on in our colleges and universities. Uh, that might be a part of this. We're not. We have not been aware. The rate of transmission has crept up, not to an awful number, but crept up uh, over the past 10 days, 
And our health folks, you know, every day, the same conversation. What are you seeing? Is there a particular geography, a particular event? Uh, is it a, uh, a traveler to a non, uh, to, 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 uh, to a hotspot state that's returned? We haven't seen one uh, factor. As I said, Rowan has got uh, a bunch of cases that may be as much as 100 at this point. Uh, we had some up, outbreak with Rutgers Athletics, as, as we, you and I have talked about. Um, so there's nothing that I'm aware of that's specifically driving that number. It's too early. It's too early to know uh, anything. People have asked me in the past couple of days, um, you know, what's what what's the fallout from Labor Day weekend? Today's too early to have any sense of that. We think it was a good weekend in terms of compliance, but we don't know yet. All right, let's try to squeeze in another call before we go to a break. We have Brian in New York on the line. Brian? Hey, Brian. Yep. Hey, Governor, how you doing? Good. New York is in New York City? Yes, yes. All right. Hey, I I, uh, I kind of fib because uh, I don't have a question per se. I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for your leadership. You know, at every level, at this time in history in our country, at the federal, state, and local level, there just seems to be such a dearth of leadership. And it's so refreshing and so nice to have leadership that seems to be genuine and consistent and that's you so i just want to thank you wow man hey, you don't get you, too man. many of those kind of calls Jesus. <laughs> could could we could could you find another 20 or 30 of those uh, to round the hour up uh, no uh, listen <laughs> but, thank you brian that means a lot and you're ob- obviously emotional about it and this thing has crushed so many people i mean the lives lost the people who have been sick the jobs lost the businesses that have gone bust the restaurant uh, reality, which has been awful. I mean, it's just, it, it's touched all corners of our state and of our, frankly, I, I could say our country and the world at this point, but we have not escaped without having paid a huge toll. So thank you, Brian, for saying that. Uh, what we were expecting Brian to ask about was um, about a hybrid program for kids with special needs in schools. Um, is that something that you can address? Meaning, do we support it? Uh, what what is happening for kids with special needs? Because clearly, yep. you know, that's a special need. Is yes, you, you no know. question. And, and by the way, that's one of the parts of remote learning that just didn't work. There's no family member that I've heard from. There's no educator that I've communicated with, and we've heard from a lot, particularly family members that that felt that the remote. And it's an obvious point. A special needs kid is going to need, you, you just need to be in a different mindset, a different uh, proximity. Um, and I can't give you the exact number of what, which schools are in which categories, but there are, there are clearly uh, classrooms in the school I toured today. There are full schools uh, in the extent to which, you know, we, we are, as long as it's done safely, we want to get kids back to in-person instruction again as long as it's done safety i can't say that more uh, underline that more and no community of kids needs that more than the special needs kids so i don't have a number off the top of my head of how many schools are in one form or another but that's a particular community that uh, we we want to see get back uh, to in-person instruction we only have about 40 seconds, but um, what about outdoor schooling? I mean, New York's talking a lot about bringing kids outside. It, you know, is that yep. something that's ever been talked about? hundred percent. In fact, I don't want to keep talking about one tour of a school because I've done a couple of them now and I'm going to do more. But this school in particular had a cl- an enclosed courtyard 
with conference tables and chairs already outside, already in their plans to use. And I think the more we can do of that in good weather, the better. Of course, uh, you know, for the schools that go back in November, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, that's going to be harder. There's no question. The weather is not going to be our friend. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be taking more of your calls. I'm Nancy Solomon, and you're listening to Ask Governor Murphy. You're listening to Ask Governor Murphy, a WBGO News production in collaboration with WNYC and WHYY. Got a question for the governor? Call us at 844-677-9283. Or send us your questions on Twitter or Facebook with the hashtag AskGovMurphy. I'm Nancy Solomon. We're live with Governor Phil Murphy. And, Governor, you mentioned uh, athletics at Rutgers and... Uh, now, there's been a lot of pushback. Rutgers football is part of the Big Ten, and the yep. Big Ten has said no football this year. Um, and there's a bit of pushback on that. Players, fans want want their football, and I know you're uh, quite a sports fan, so what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, this is complicated. I mean, I, I came out pretty strongly, as I'm sure you've seen, that uh, an NJSIAA has done a great job uh, that we should – as, as, as safely as we can embrace scholastic sports this fall. And the only ones that they weren't able to get to on were the indoor volleyball gymnastics, which they pushed uh, to the winter or spring. Um, and so we'll have scholastic sports. Not every, and listen, every district and every school has to make that decision on their own, but it is allowed, and a lot of schools are going to go ahead with that. The, the difference, and I think this is a big difference, forget about how many people can attend. We've, we've got a 500-person outdoor limit, which we're sticking to for now. That wasn't, to me, um, a, a, ter- a terribly big X factor. The big one was travel. And I think that's with, without knowing the inner, inner workings of the Big Ten or the, Pac, uh, the Pac-12, uh, I suspect strongly that it was the reality of travel that you're, you know, you're going to have to be moving around from one state to another. We've got 30-odd states right now on our hot list uh, where you have to quarantine and, and get tested when you come back to Jersey. Um, so I'm mixed on this because I'm a huge sports fan. Um, I love Greg Schiano, uh, so I'm going to talk about football specifically. I think Rutgers' program is going at a very fast pace in the right direction. Um, you know, there's been some discussion, at least I've read, I'm not privy to this, but some discussion about maybe a season that starts later. There was some discussion a couple weeks ago, for instance, about a season that starts in and around Thanksgiving. I'm not sure where that stands. Um, but listen, I, I have to respect the decision the commission, the Big Ten commissioners made. Um, it's their right to make that call, but would hope that as long as we could do it safely, that we get back as soon as we can to sports. Okay, we have lots of calls coming in, and folks, the uh, I'm looking for the number here. I seem to have buried it in my pile of notes. Here it is, 844-677-9283. If you'd like to ask the governor any question you have on your mind, we've been talking about schools, but certainly uh, indoor dining and opening of gyms and the lines at the DMV are all hot topics in the state. So whatever you have a question about, give us a call or tweet us at AskGovMurphy. Uh, we're going to go to the phones and um, we have a question about mental health services. I'm sorry, I can't see the name of who it is, but let's go to that call. 
Okay. Oh, we're going to Kara from Lakewood. Kara, you're on the line with the governor. Kara? Did, did we lose Kara? Was Kara the one with the question of the mental health services? Kara, I was like, yep, there she is. Kara oh, hey, with Kara. a C. Hey, Kara. Hello? Hey, Kara, it's Governor Phil Murphy. Yes, hi. My name is Adrian Thomas. Oh, Am Adrian, I'm air? sorry. Go ahead, Adrian. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, good evening, Governor. Um, good evening. I, my name is Adrian Thomas. I'm a retired attorney. I sit on a public golf course in Pensacola, New Jersey. In March, when the course closed, I felt confident that all safety measures were going to be taken from myself and my grandchildren. Um, I'm a widow, and uh, you know they were sheltering at home and were only visiting my home. I noticed when it reopened in June that the golfers were coming onto the course not taking any safety measures at all. They weren't socially distancing. They weren't wearing face masks. And I brought that to management's attention. At that point, they told me to take pictures to prove it. I took some pictures. June went by. At some point, they closed down because one of their workers tested positive. But they only stayed closed for three days. I'm sorry. I'm going to get to my question. No problem. Um, They stayed closed for three days. During that time, I continually called management to find out what was going to happen because the golfers, in searching for the balls, come close to my Right. Um, gate and yep. my grandchildren, I couldn't allow them to play outside safely because they were walking up, you know, smoking cigarettes, not face masking, not socially distancing, not doing anything to make me feel safe that myself and my children would be, my grandchildren would be protected. I didn't get any kind of help there, so I sent a message to the mayor. The mayor sent me back a very curt response saying that while he, he understands my concerns, and he had a chain, more chain link fence put up 10 feet away from the chain link fence that exists between myself and the court. Uh-huh. And said, that's the best we can do. You know, I have to be con- concerned about you, but I also have to consider my golfers and what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So essentially, I spent the entire summer literally sitting in my house watching golfer after golfer going by, sharing cards, not face masking. In the three months since the summer began, I saw exactly two men out there in face masks. Uh-huh. That was it. I okay. called the governor's office. I called your office several times and said, what is the protocol? What can be done? Because yep. I'm, I'm 68 years old. I'm immune compromised. My daughter is immune compromised. Yep. My grandchildren spent the entire summer literally inside. Yep. And the golf course continues to operate this way. Yep. Okay. Is there anything that can be done? Because well, yeah. Well, what happened? Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off, but Adrian, if you're still there, I think the best thing I could do is... Um, is to ask a colleague, I'm going to ask Mike Delamater, who works uh, uh, within the, the governor's front office uh, team, to follow up with you, and, and he'll get you tomorrow. I would need to know the details. I mean, clearly this is a little bit back to Stacy's question about uh, um, uh, about school, a school in Morris County that wasn't enforcing social distancing and mask wearing, et cetera. We, we all have to, we're all in this together, and everybody's got to play by the rules. Um, and so without knowing the specifics of the course or uh, other dynamics, if you could bear with me, Adrian, I will get Mike to follow up with you at latest tomorrow. Uh, and by the way, we should talk about tomorrow, Nancy, because it's 9-11, and that's something that I, I'd love to spend a minute on before we break tonight. Um, but in any event, uh, I, I, my big plea would be uh, 
these rules are not there to be ignored. We know we know what pushes this virus into the ground. Social distancing, face covering, hygiene, hand hygiene in particular. We all have to st- we all have to do our part, stick to those rules and if we do, we'll continue to get through this and if we don't, we could backslide and so we we got to be able to protect Adrian people like yourself. So if you could bear with me, I'll get Mike to follow up with you. And Governor, you know, at your press brief, daily press briefings, you have the uh, the head of the state police, Pat Callahan, gives a, yep. a report on compliance violations, and these are compliance, you know, compliance with your executive orders around the pandemic. So, is there a number at the state police that people can call when they when they see these violations? Yeah, I, I'm not sure I've got a number, but here's what I would suggest: go to COVID nineteen nj.gov covid19.nj.gov and if you flip through the pages there you're going to be able to find one that i forget the exact name of it uh, dan brand who's uh listening to us can maybe send me the page what it's called but that to me is the best way to go at it okay thank you um, we're going to take another and by the way nance that's the master uh, that's the best place to go in anything related to covid including i lost my job I don't get my unemployment has it come in. Uh, how should I feel about my school's uh, policies, uh, etc.? This is an all-encompassing uh, place to go. Okay, thank you. So we're going to take another social media question from Joe Hernandez. What do you have, Joe? Yeah, this question is from Jane Quinn. She says, "What is the rationale for uh, defunding the school-based youth services program, which has a solid track record of providing much-needed students?" services in New Jersey schools, it would seem that these services, including mental health, are needed now more than ever. Yeah, that was the question I thought we were going to get a minute ago from Kara um, in Lakewood. Listen, this is a, I said this earlier, um, if you're expecting a normal school year, you haven't been paying attention, and I would say if you expected a normal budget, uh, uh, I'd say the same. I mean, this is, we've presented a budget, we're trying to balance an enormous amount of interests this is one of the things that we'd like to try to find a way to get back in uh, the, the budget that we negotiate with the legislators. We had a good meeting today with leadership um, in the legislature on the budget. We had an, a, another one a couple of days ago. This is one that I think there's a, a broad uh, agreement and support to try to find a way to get it back in. I just got to make sure we have the money to pay for it, but there's no question it's something we should do everything we can to get back in, and it does an enormous amount of good. And is this the program you're talking about that's the $12 million in cuts to the Office yeah, of Schooling I, I, Services? I thought it was 11 but yes, it's, I assume it's the same yeah. It's the same program. So for folks who didn't, weren't quite able to follow that, that this is like a, a hundred different programs around the state that fund counseling, employment counseling, substance abuse prevention, yep. suicide prevention, pregnancy prevention, sexual assault prevention, a wide array of services that are provided yeah. in school to at-risk kids. Yeah. So listen, and this is an example of you know we're we're in a fiscal reality only comparable to the 1930s Great Depression, 1860s Civil War. Um, so that doesn't excuse for not trying to work to try to find the money to to fund that program because we need to. Uh, but these are extraordinary and unusual times. I have to say, there the page. I just uh, thanks to Deb Cornavaca, my colleague. The page on COVID19.nj.gov is simply called Violations.
Okay, great. Um, so you're listening to Ask Governor Murphy. I'm Nancy Solomon. We're taking your calls at 844-677-9283. Uh, or you can tweet us your questions using the hashtag AskGovMurphy. So we've we've slid quite handily into issues of the budget, which is a, another huge topic that uh, you're dealing with. You've got a $10 billion hole to plug, uh, given that all the normal revenues that come in have not come in because of the pandemic, and then you've had to spend a lot of money to keep everything going uh, in the meantime. So you're facing quite a uh, a problem, and um, it's, you know, so let's talk about that. It, it, you're proposing a millionaire's tax. This is something you've been talking about since you campaigned for governor. Is yep. this finally the year that um, you're going to get this passed through the legislature? I hope so. I have to say I hope so. We got partial success our first year, and that's not to be under underestimated. So the folks who make more than $5 million a year already pay the rate that we're trying to get on the money that you make over a million. And it's not class warfare. I don't begrudge anybody's success. This is about equity. This is about our hour of need. This is about, you know, we've said this on this program before, COVID-19 did not create the inequities, but it has laid them bare. And so with a millionaire's tax, asking our corporations to, the big corporations, not small businesses, but big ones, to step up uh, and help us uh, on the margin, we can take that money and drive it directly into programs like baby bonds, like other programs that we know address the inequities, particularly the racial inequities. As a broader statement, Nance, there are there's a huge hole. You're absolutely right. Um, I think between now and the end of next year, it's a lot even bigger than that. There are basically four levers we can pull other than hopefully growing again. One is revenue. You've talked about millionaires would be an example of that. Secondly, would be trimming expenses in the budget we presented trims expenses i think uh which brings me no joy uh i think a billion two hundred million we just talked about an 11 or 12 million dollar program as part of that uh the third lever is to be able to borrow again not something i wake up reflexively wanting to do uh, but we have the ability to do it thanks to the legislature and our supreme court so that's part of it and then the fourth one which is the the one i want to just scream out again on is we need more federal cash and it isn't just New Jersey, and it isn't just blue states. It's all American states need Congress to step up, particularly the Senate, uh, controlled by Mitch McConnell. We need him to step up and work with the House uh, to get more direct cash assistance for state and local entities. That's going to allow us to keep the services going, the folks employed, uh, to be able to push back on this once in a in a lifetime or a once in history reality so those are the four levers uh and uh and we're you know we're working to get between we extended the fiscal year to september 30 another once in a lifetime reality so it's september 30 not june 30 uh and we're working with the legislature legislative leadership and and their teams to try to get to something i hope sooner than later well, the Congress failed today, in fact, to yeah. come to an agreement. Um, you know, this I have to say this reminds me of the fight after Superstorm Sandy when uh, Republican Governor Chris Christie had to really shame members of his own party yeah. into supporting New York and New Jersey. Um, do, do you think this is a problem for you and other Democratic governors that you don't really have any leverage with Mitch McConnell or Donald Trump? See, the leverage, 
I mean, they're in, in your point is they're in a different party, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's a fair point. I mean, we've been able to find common ground with the administration more often than I would have guessed, and I'm grateful for that. Um, I'm 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 not happy to hear this. Uh, revelation that they had information that they weren't sharing with the rest of the world, which we can talk about separately. But here's the reason why I think the leverage is in their own backyard. Kentucky's been crushed. Uh, Florida, you know, Florida prides itself on not having an income tax. Therefore, it's sales tax dependent, uh, tourism dependent. They're crushed. Texas, Arizona, Iowa right now is getting crushed, and we don't wish any of this on anybody. We pray that they get through this as fast as possible. But my my only point, Nancy, is it's not just New York and New Jersey. Uh, It's not just the blue states. It's not just the so-called legacy states. It's across the country, and that, to me, is the leverage. It's the the people of our country who are screaming out, please help us, uh, in the best, most efficient way, because this is something that, with all due respect to all sorts of other uh, federal programs uh, for, you know, like an, an, uh, an, a program for a particular industry, money to states gets on, assuming we get the guidance from the feds, it gets on the street immediately, uh, which means not only is this impactful, but it's immediately impactful. You, you mentioned uh, that Kentucky is taking it on the chin. I mean, yep. Mitch McConnell's up for re-election. Like, I don't, explain, yeah. why isn't this getting done? Uh, l- l- good question. I've said this to the president himself. I said, Mr. President, you're on the ballot. I'm not on the ballot this year. You are. So why in God's name would you want to see states of both parties, workers, regardless of what party they're in, frontline workers, fire, we're talking about firefighters, police, EMS, healthcare, educators, the very folks we need right now, I don't know why you would sign on to some orthodoxy that that says, you know what, we're going to starve those states and, and those folks are going to have to get laid off and those services terminated. Uh, I don't know what good that does. I don't know who, who benefits from that, frankly. So what did President Trump reply to you? Well, this is a while ago now, so i got to go back to the midst of time. I think he nodded. In fact, I've said it to him more than once. I said it to him in person, and I said it to him on the phone, um, and to his people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe he nodded, but they've, they've not gotten there yet, uh, and we need it. And it's in, it's in all of our interests. Well, look, try to make it real for folks who are listening, you know, because it doesn't matter whether it's if you're in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, our entire listening area. Uh, what... What what does what makes this real? Like, what is it going to cost us if the, if the feds don't step in? Well, Mitch McConnell said states going bankrupt wouldn't be a bad thing. That won't happen. But what will happen is there will be mass layoffs of the very sorts of folks who we desperately need, at, particularly at this time. And that's the reality. Services will get cut. People will lose their jobs. Uh, we'll all shrink, and then we'll have a much much longer, more painful recovery from this crisis. None of it's needed. Okay, thank you, Governor. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more questions from listeners. You're listening to Ask Governor Murphy. You're listening to Ask Governor Murphy, a WBGO News production in collaboration with WNYC and WHYY. Got a question for the governor? Call us at 844-677-9283. Or send us your questions on Twitter or Facebook with the hashtag AskGovMurphy. 
I'm Nancy Solomon. We're coming to you live with New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. We've been talking about the reopening of schools and the $10 billion hole in the state budget that the governor is trying to plug. Um, So you have a new proposal in your budget baby bonds. Uh, You propose that every child in New Jersey born in 2021 to a family making up up to an income of $131,000 a year would get a $1,000 bond that would grow and mature when that to up to the point where that child turns 18. Uh, This is an idea promoted by Senator Cory Booker. Um, It's been promoted as a way to close the racial wealth gap. So tell us a little more about it. How would it work exactly? Nancy, you got it exactly right. Um, We should be asking you the questions. (laughs) Uh, No, you got it exactly right. And and I just add a couple of things. One is the accounts would be overseen by our treasury, uh, so there'd be you know there'd be have professional oversight. Secondly, your your income level is exactly right, and what that translates to is about three quarters of the babies that'll be born next year, and a disproportionate impact on, on on families of color. So it's an example of a not a hugely expensive program in the overall scheme of things, but that it, it does a couple of things. It isn't just talking about uh, closing these inequities and addressing them, but it's actually putting our money where our mouth is. Um, secondly, um, it is addressing specifically a reality in, in the country today that when you turn 18, uh, an average white kid has a quote-unquote net worth of $20,000 and a kid of color has virtually nothing. Now, the one criticism you might hear, and, and again, I want to give Cory Booker a huge shout-out because this is his baby, no pun intended. Um, one criticism you, you you might hear of our program is, gosh, it's a modest amount of money. You, you, you know, the $1,000, given the interest rates today, it doesn't grow to a, a terribly large amount. Uh, I, I would just say to that, number one, I'd hope in future budgets we might be able to find some more money and or of our corporate or philanthropic uh, folks are listening in. There's no there's no uh, restriction uh, on somebody coming in and topping up these accounts. Uh, and I think probably most importantly, and my African-American colleagues have really drilled this into me, there's an enormous psychological barrier that's broken here when you go from nothing to something. Putting aside the something, gosh, we'd all like to see the number be a lot bigger, but it is something. Uh, it's north of nothing. And that psychological reality, particularly in families of color, who are so used to generation after generation, uh, just starting, never mind at zero, from standing in a hole, this is a, this is a, this is a huge step in that right direction. It's not the only step we need to take, but it's a huge step in the right direction. Well, and isn't there something to be said about sort of that there are a lot of people who are unbanked and this provides a savings account and people can actually add to it themselves if they wish you along bet. the way? That is part of the psychological um, piece that I'm talking about. You made the, the point uh, better than I. And that is uh, you, you then have a place to, you know what, I've got literally, I've got five bucks, ten bucks, whatever it might be. I've now got a place, a home for that. Uh, and it's an interest-bearing account, so even though interest rates are low, uh, it's going in the right direction. And that, that's exactly p- part of that sort of breakthrough notion that this uh, that this envisions. 
You got a glowing editorial in the New York Times this week about it. Uh, uh, congratulations! It may, been, it may have been written by that guy Brian who called earlier. <laughs> congratulations on that. But I, I, I don't think you can blame a lot of people in New Jersey for saying, "Whoa, wait, wait, wait!" You know, we. How can you spend money on yeah. something new when you're cutting so much? Yeah, I mean, listen. That's the that one I mentioned earlier. None of these decisions are easy, as you can imagine. Um, but we're trying to balance a number of different realities, not just those levers I mentioned earlier, not just trying to find the money to get that mental health program back uh, funded, but also balancing things like the here and now versus what are we going to look like when we pull out of this. And one thing I know that has, other than the inequities, and this really is a related point, uh, this notion of let's get, quote-unquote, back on our feet (laughs) Back to where we were. We can't. Where we were was not acceptable, uh, particularly when you measure it along inequities and especially along racial and economic lines. And so this is an example. It's not a big number um, in, in total, but it's, it's, a, it's a statement about what we want to look like when we pull out of this, an investment in tomorrow. We can't stop making those investments. We still have to build the, you know, we have to redo the roads fix NJ Transit, you know, at some point we're going to come back. Let's just come back in a much better way than we were before. Listeners, we're taking your calls at 844-677-9283 or on social media with the hashtag AskGovMurphy. And we're going to go now to Gisela in Morristown. You're on the line with the governor. Yes. Good evening, Governor. Hey, Gisela. Good evening. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a daughter with special needs. Uh, she works for an organization called Employment Horizons. Okay. Uh, the, shelter, she, the sheltered workshop has been closed, obviously, since the middle of March. Um, I know many of her um, colleagues uh, in the sheltered workshop, obviously, are also without work. Yep. And people are suffering. Yep. Uh, I'm wondering if you can tell us when, uh, given that the schools have opened and the gyms are open and so on, and I think movie theaters are open, when will you uh, give the okay to open uh, these organizations? Yep. People with special needs really need to get back to their their old structure. Yep. Amen. Um, I don't have a, a date to give you, Gisela, but I will say this. Uh, it, it has to be sooner than later, uh, and and, uh, and I may be missing some health reality, and if I am, forgive me for that. But um, I made this point about special education earlier, which is different than these sheltered workshops, um, but it, the, the, broad, the broad principles apply to both, and that is there are certain communities where being shut or being remote, depending on which of these lenses you're looking through, uh, not only doesn't work, it, it doesn't work in a, in, a, in a much more magnified, much more in, impactful and much more devastating way, and this is one of them. I'm going to, with your blessing, I'm going to have someone on my team follow up, um, uh, and I think I'm going to ask my, my colleague again, Mike Delamater, to do that. Uh, Gisela, to get to you by tomorrow to understand this very, the exact specifics about your daughter's situation and also for you to get a better sense of how soon we might be able to get these reopened. 
Thanks for your call, Gisela. This is Ask Governor Murphy. I'm Nancy Solomon. Call us with your questions at 844-677-9283. And you can tweet them at us using the hashtag AskGovMurphy. And we've got a question coming to us from social. Joe Hernandez, what do you have for us? Yeah, this question is on Twitter from MC Care Inc. Uh, they ask, Governor Murphy, can you explain the millions of dollars in cuts to reentry services in the budget while at the same time there's a bill going through the legislature to release thousands of inmates? Um, listen, I, I, I want to echo what I've kind of already said, which is um, to really, really one point about the budget and then one point about our our um, our whole notion of criminal justice reform um, so on the reentry cuts was it was it a, is this a company did I say MC care Inc is that what you said sounds like it yep okay so I will get I'm not sure who's the right person to follow up with with uh, whoever that is um, but I will make sure that somebody does do that and I'll ask my team listening to figure out um, who that should be but um, on the reentry cuts, uh, again, these are not cuts that bring us any joy. Uh, we had added, I think, eight hundred and something million dollars, eight hundred and something million dollars of programs that we want, that we were supporting in our budget that we proposed in February. Uh, we have scrapped all of that and put it to the side. So, th- n- none of the cuts. You know, have we found some? Smart, good government cuts. Yes, we have, and I give our cabinet members huge uh, kudos. Uh, where we're being able to do things more efficiently for less money, we should be willing to do all you know stuff like that all day long. But there are other service cuts that that hurt, and this reentry uh, is 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 in that category. Mental health, we've already talked about, um, etc. Um, as a separate matter. Having and by the way, these aren't necessarily separate, right? So um, what I'm going to talk about is stands on its own two feet, but I, it does have a wrap back to the uh, a connection back to reentry. We I stood up a, a commission that would have been dormant for the entire time of, of my predecessor's term, which was a criminal sentencing and disposition committee. Uh, we stood that committee up. Uh, Deborah Ports, former S- Supreme Court Chief Justice. Uh, uh, was co-chair Giles Ship, who is the president of Noble, National Organization of Black Law Enforcement, chaired that committee. They came up with some great recommendations, not entirely, but overwhelmingly in eliminating min- min- minimum mandatory sentences for non-violent offenses. So these are largely going to be drug and other related. There's legislation we need to get those the commission's work over the goal line. Um, and that, I assume, is what this question relates to. We should want that as a society. This is the right thing to do. This is to to give folks a shot. This is non-violent offenders, and that's an important point. It also includes some tweaks to our juvenile justice system, which are desperately needed. Now, back last point, Nancy, to the funding cuts. Admittedly, if this is going to come to pass, and please God it will, uh, we will need to bulk up the services for those folks because we can't just throw them out onto the street. And we know that recidivism rates uh, climb when you don't have the programs in place to support uh, folks returning to society. So eventually we've got to get that funding. 
and I hope we, if we can find the right revenues to cover it, even in this budget that we're negotiating, which is an incredibly challenging one, I hope that we can. Right, we're going to try to keep uh, the calls coming and get as many to you as we can. Uh, here's a lyrical-sounding one. Zenobia from Leonia is on the line. Wow. Zenobia? <laughs> I, you, yeah, your so name well, rhymes so well, nicely with your town. <laughs> well, it wasn't by um, any kind of a real purpose. So thank you very much for taking my call, Governor. Nice um, to meet you. I'm a violinist. I'm a violinist and work mostly on Broadway and in New York City, and I also teach at a couple of private schools here in New Jersey. I've recently tried to re-sign up for unemployment starting in August, the beginning of August, and I've been getting multiple emails uh, trying to send in multiple employer information. Generally, I always have a one person that helps me when I call in, and I have not been able to access enough, any human being on calling in at any okay. time of the day. I know this is an old story. I know That's it's right. not new. But I, I was wondering if I could get any help with this. It's been seven yes. weeks, and I'm putting in – I have so many employers. From The last show I was on was West Side Story. I was concertmaster there. Oh. Before that, I was doing King Lear. Before that, I was playing at Moulin Rouge, all different shows during the week, different employers. So it doesn't fit with the category of just one employer like most normal human beings have. Yep. A uh, freelance life is very different from that. So uh, yep. I don't know where to go. Um, I, the good news is you called and you found a human being, and it's me. Um, and by the way, I'm a huge uh, theater uh, fan and musical theater fan in particular, and those shows are all um, great ones. Um, I'm going to have our commissioner of labor, Rob Acero Angelo, call you uh, within the next 24 hours. Um, and, and he and his team have done an extraordinary job. But you talk about a tsunami. Uh, this was a tsunami unlike anything anyone's ever seen. Over a million and a half folks have filed for unemployment in New Jersey. I think we've put out 14-something billion dollars between the feds and state money. Uh, 96% of people who are monetary, monetarily eligible have received at least one payment. Having said all that, it's not 100%. And is it Zenosia, right? I mean, that, that's you're, you're describing a situation which does not neatly fit into a particular category. And so what we've found... I think since the early summer, is the folks who are frustrated that have been waiting a long time, it's overwhelmingly, like 99-plus percent, specific to that individual. Uh, and I can tell just by your line of business, and, and again, God bless you for celebrating and living the arts, that that's probably very specific to your situation, and I promise you you'll get a call within the next 24 hours. Thanks for the call. And, and so for all of the people out there waiting, trying to get through unemployment, maybe they have complicated employment histories that don't quite work, um, you know, is there anything you can say to everybody out there? Yeah, I, I'd say a couple of things. One is you're going to get what's coming to you. So assuming you're eligible, you're going to get, uh, you, you won't, the, the weight won't impact the amount of money that you ultimately get. Secondly, um, a couple of places to go. I assume folks know this, but if they don't, myunemployment.nj.gov to file. Uh, so myunemployment.nj.gov to file. Um, if you're unemployed and you're looking for a job, we still are posting a ton of jobs. We haven't spoken about this at our press conference lately, but it's still the case. So 
jobs.covid19nj.gov, jobs.covid19nj.gov. We have a lot more folks unemployed than available jobs, but there are a lot of available jobs. Uh, and I would just say to folks, again, it's, if you're frustrated, I don't blame you. I'm not trying to make anybody feel better if we haven't gotten to you. You, you deserve your frustration. Uh, and, but all I would say is that it, it's overwhelmingly due to very specific uh, features of the person's job profile. Uh, it could be a cross-state thing, uh, as we just heard. That might be part of it. Um, but I, I, I promise you that we, our folks are working hard, and they will get to you. Uh, another issue in the state where people are waiting in long lines and and very very frustrated is uh, what I call the DMV, but in New Jersey it's called the Motor Vehicles Commission, the yep. MVC. Um, the lines are persisting. I mean, it, yeah, this is the third rail of New Jersey politics, man. If you can't get people deal, you know, with their sorted out with their cars. Uh, you're politically are, in trouble. Are you about to end the show on yes. that observation, Nancy? No, I'm asking you. What, what's going on with Listen, DMV? Listen, they're, they're handling right now more more transactions than they did last year. That's a fact. They're just digging out of an enormous uh, a tsunami, and they're trying everything they can to cut the lines. If you're in one of those lines, I don't blame you. Inside, it is in a great shape. I signed a. We're trying to use legislation. I signed a bill that will add even more transactions online, which is a good thing. Um, So, for instance, your driver's license, you can now renew it over a longer period of time. Okay, thanks, Governor. I'm afraid I didn't give you enough time. You didn't. Please start (laughs) with that next time. Okay, this is Ask Governor Murphy, a WBGO news production in collaboration with WHYY and WNYC. The show is produced by Doug Doyle. I'm Nancy Solomon. Thanks so much for listening. Support for WNYC comes from the Mount Sinai Hospital, named on U.S. News' prestigious Best Hospitals Honor Roll for the fifth year in a row. Mount Sinai, caring for New Yorkers at eight hospitals and over 400 ambulatory practices. MountSinai.org slash now. It's WNYC. Stay tuned. Our Thursday evening lineup begins in just a moment at 8 with the TED Radio Hour. Manush Zomorodi explores new ways of resolving conflict in nature, in relationships, and in ourselves. Then at 9 o'clock, Innovation Hub considers the ways that college has evolved in response to not only the pandemic, but also to the changing needs and values of students. That's our Thursday evening lineup. It starts in just a moment at 8 on 93.9.